When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are recording this on Sunday, August 9th. If you listened to our last episode, we had previewed a series with the Cardinals that we were hoping to be recapping, but that series did not happen. The Cardinals' COVID-19 outbreak that they had uh, has not gotten under control, and the series was postponed, and their following series that was supposed to start uh, this coming week, if you're listening to this on Monday, uh, was also canceled with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So uh, a lot to be discussed about the Cardinals' season going forward here. We'll only touch on that a little bit, as this is not a podcast about the Cardinals, for very good reason. Uh, But it obviously does impact the Chicago Cubs and the rest of the NL Central and AL Central as far as their schedules going forward here. In lieu of those games, the Cubs back in Chicago uh, with some scrimmages and a reported fun afternoon planned on Monday. We don't really know what that is yet, at least as we're recording this, but that's what David Ross said. Uh, I'm assuming not zoo animals or a magician, Brendan. I don't know if David Ross has the same idea of fun as Joe Madden, but we'll see. Uh, So, A good bit to talk about. Uh, We will talk about, you know, sort of the ramifications, obviously, of this series in St. Louis being postponed. The Cubs are already making some changes to their rotation going forward ahead of the Cleveland series that's supposed to start on Tuesday, which we will preview at the end of this podcast. Cubs had a scrimmage. There's some stuff going on there, some quotes from David Ross. So even though we are back to talking about baseball without baseball, which we hope to not be doing uh, again, Brendan, but uh, there there is a deep decent amount to talk about. And before we get into everything that has gone on this weekend, uh, we have a couple of birthdays that we do need to address. And the first is as we record this on Sunday, August 9th, that is to wish uh, Jason Hayward a happy birthday, our right fielder, a World Series champion. As you guys know, he was a member of the 2016 Chicago Cubs that won the World Series. So Mm -hmm. that is uh, something that we always like to make sure we note. And of course, not not to, I, I suppose in saying this, I'm going to immediately separate them into tiers, which is not really my intention. I hope everybody has a happy birthday. But the main event of this weekend is the birthday on Saturday, the 8th of August, of one Anthony Vincent 
Rizzo. Yes. And we would be remiss if we didn't spend at least a moment discussing the birthday of our captain, Brendan. Corey, Rizzo's getting old before our very eyes, but he's done so much for this team. And I was going through Instagram and just looking at like past teammates of his. And Dexter Fowler posted a picture of like him falling asleep on Fowler's shoulder. So the impact he's had is long lasting. It's going to be like the same impact that Ross has had on many other teams. So it just kind of like always catches me when I forget the impact that Rizzo's had, not just on the field, but off the field and the culture and what we'll remember going forward. So happy 31st birthday to Tony Rizzo. Yeah, I mean, I think we go through this a lot, and there's definitely a number of occasions where it's easy to get into this. But it is. Uh, because it is his, it was his birthday on on Saturday. It it's another occasion just to point out how lucky we are to have him as our first baseman, as our de facto captain, and as someone who is a, a part of this organization and and the larger Chicago. Cubs community and then the Chicago community and, and the and communities. He does so he's a much big, off the field too. All yes, the charities, and, and the communities everything. he's a part of in in Florida as well. But um, I mean, his baseball resume is is pretty uh, filled with accolades at this point. He's a three time All Star. He's a three time Gold Glover. He's won the Roberto Clemente Award. He's won a Platinum Glove. He is a World Series champion, like Jason Hayward. They were both on the 2016 Chicago Cubs that won the World Series. If you remember this, actually, Anthony Rizzo catches the final out of that Mm -hmm. World Series in Game 7. So that's always fun to reminisce on. But the that's the on the field impact and it's and it's completely obvious what he means to this team in terms of his his bat in the lineup his defense on the field um and and like I said all the accolades that he's racked up but we are just so fortunate that that this is the human being that is uh our first baseman and and someone who is the face of the Chicago Cubs just someone who does uh so much work uh for cancer research and the support of families dealing with uh pediatric cancer and different types of cancer, his visits to the hospitals, even in these times uh, where obviously social distancing and, and trying to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Anthony's still doing video chats with cancer right. patients. He's still exchanging letters with cancer patients. He's been raising money for his cancer charity, for first responders, donating meals in, in different communities. Uh, th- this guy is a relentless philanthropist and uh, someone who is using his massive platform uh, really for the maximum amount of good that he is able to provide. And I, I, I mean, I, I've said this, I think, exact line before, uh, but I, I like to wear jerseys when I go to the games sometimes, even though now I'm older than most of the players whose jersey I'm wearing. But that's just kind of how I, I've always been. I just like putting the Cubs jersey on. And I've I've worn a lot of them. I, I you know, usually get uh, a guy's name on the back and stuff like that. And I, it's, I am never prouder to have somebody else's name on my own back uh, than when it's Anthony Rizzo because he's he's an amazing player. He's someone who means the world to the history of the Chicago Cubs, uh, but he's just such an amazing human being and the stuff that he's doing with his platform and, and the journey that he's been on through his life is uh, something that I and I think all of us feel very fortunate to be a part of, right? And this is a guy who was was not drafted by the Cubs and there's there's other realities where you know the Cubs had to make this happen they had to to trade for him they had to uh, convince the Padres to send him over here, and we're just very fortunate that that happened and that uh, we were blessed with one Anthony Vincent Rizzo. And that's all we know. Like all the public images and videos of him visiting hospitals, that's like what we know. But when we talk to, for example, Brennan Davis, like Rizzo was the one who made a visit to instructionals to welcome the new Cubs, the 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds. And we never heard anything about that in the public. So we Mm -hmm. know Rizzo's doing a lot more behind the camera that we truly know. And you do hear a little bit of uh, pieces of that here and there, but this is just who he is. And he's going to go down 
in our lifetimes, he'll be up there with the Ron Santos, Ernie Banks, Fergie Jenkins, all, all of them. Billy Williams, he'll be one of those Cubs legends for life, Corey. Yep. So happy birthday to Anthony. I mean, literally, we could probably spend the entire oh, yeah. hour exactly. of this podcast just talking about his impact on the baseball field, his impact off the field, uh, but it, it it really can't be stated enough. I mean, there there is a reason. I was, I was looking through his Wikipedia page uh, just to make sure that I had all his accolades at the correct numbers when I, I put out a tweet for this for, for the many. Cubs Insider Twitter, at Real Cubs Insider. And in in that kind of like description paragraph, it, it and you know, I don't know who wrote this. It's obviously, you know, somebody writes it and edits it or whatever. But it, it said that he's widely regarded as, you know, one of the most respected and generous players in all of Major League Baseball. And it's, uh, you know, again, like that's true. Like whether, the, you know, how you rate that and all that stuff, like this guy is someone that goes above and beyond to use his platform for good and to be uh, a part of the change that he wishes to see in the world and to make the lives of other people better. Uh, and it's it's a sincere pleasure to be able to have him on our favorite team and be able to root for him and uh, have him as a part of our community. But getting back to baseball, um, so the Cubs series obviously postponed. As, as far as the timeline goes, it appeared that the Cubs arrived in St. Louis. Uh, I believe they went to the hotel and then immediately back to the airport. So uh, fortunately, they did not go to the ballpark. They did not interact with the staff of the Cardinals or anything like that. So uh, for all intents and purposes, it seems that the Cubs should be okay uh, as far as not having made contact with what is going on in the Cardinals organization. Uh, But obviously, the series postponed, the Cardinals' upcoming series postponed, uh, and they have not played in a while. So this is going to be a real test for Major League Baseball as far as how they're going to deal with this. As we've noted, the Marlins also dealt with a situation like this, but they're back and playing. Uh, and, you know, now are actually seven and three. They're actually winning games for uh, some reason. So, I'm not really sure how that's happening. But uh, as we record this, the Marlins are seven and three. They, they played a game on Sunday, uh, you know, and now have played 10 games. The Cardinals have played five games and this weekend was canceled and their next series to start this week was canceled. So it's going to be five, even towards the end of this week, optimistically, if they're able to get things going for their weekend series. So the the first thing that I want to say is this is a very serious situation. I, I, I know that because it's the Cardinals and the Cubs and stuff like that, it's, it's easy to sort of dip into the rivalry of it all. Um, and it's it's just one of those things where it's it's a very serious situation. There, there's a, a very large number of players and staff members in the Cardinals organization that have tested positive for the virus. They have families, they have you know friends, and and even if they are doing everything that they can, there there's still people that they're going to interact with. And and even in their own locker room, you guarantee that there's people who have been taking this as seriously as possible, and are still being put at risk by however this got into the organization. So very serious. Uh, everyone's health and safety and, and that of those around them is the utmost priority. Um, and, you know, that that's what I think the, the focus needs to be on. And what you're hoping is just, you know, everybody can stay healthy and, and not get uh, even sicker and, and spread it to more people. Um, but Brendan, this was uh, a rather unfortunate series of events. And, and I think what really set off a large portion of the Cubs fan base is just how much we've been reading how seriously the Cubs have been taking this. There was an article uh, that was written by Patrick Mooney and Mark Craig, kind of a dual article talking about how the Cubs and Yankees have sort of set the bar for how to deal with this, talking about how the Cubs have reserved large outdoor spaces when they go on the road so that the players can hang out with each other, minimize anybody even wanting to go out and stuff like that, and just how those two teams in particular have really nailed this whole process, even when they had guys who tested positive on the intake or whatever, they've been able to come back. You know, Mike Napoli for the Cubs, the Yankees had a few players Chapman, DJ LeMayhew, um, you know, who were sent home initially, and then, you know, they, they handled it the right way, they came back, they're playing, and they haven't experienced any setbacks for it. So I think what was so upsetting for Cubs fans is that 
our players and and the Cubs staff and and everything and and thereby the Cubs families and and you know extended connections were put at risk uh, for something mm-hmm. that they don't have any control over and for how another team is handling this situation. So. I was very relieved to know that they got out of there immediately. Like there was a report that came out pretty early, uh, you know, that the Cubs had rescheduled their flight on Friday night to go back to Chicago as soon as possible. And that was before the whole series had been officially postponed by Major League Baseball. So that that was my primary concern was just get the Cubs out of here. I, I don't care what this does to the schedule. I don't care if the Cardinals are looking at playing. I think right now it's like 55 games in 45 days or something like that. I don't care about that. I care about people not getting sick and not being exposed to this. Um, you know, and and from our perspective, especially for the Cubs, because they're just flying into St. Louis and, and, you know, being sent into this situation that they don't have any control over and haven't contributed to. So just a, a bad situation all around. Major League Baseball is going to have an interesting decision on their hands as to, to how to proceed with this, because we are rapidly heading toward the point where it's just not feasible to get all of these games in such a short period of time. What they're going to do, I have no idea. Uh, the, The main takeaway I have is I'm just glad that the Cubs are out of there and did not have any contact with people that that seemed to be uh, at at a, at a pretty big risk here in St. Louis. That's the thing is like, how do you try to fit in fifty five games in what appears to be forty five days? Like, not only is that difficult from a baseball perspective, Corey, but that is all. That's also a health hazard, right? If you have multiple doubleheaders, by default, you're going to have the guys at the ballpark more often for more time, and it's incredibly difficult to try to manage. All of that, the testing, keeping guys safe for that prolonged period of time. So baseball is going to have to make a difficult decision. I I don't see how it can continue, to, to be honest with you. Not not the season as a whole, but just the Cardinals' competitiveness. I, I get that maybe if they can squeeze in a few doubleheaders, they can figure it out. But there's also health hazards for the players on the field from a competitive standpoint, can their arms hold up? They haven't played in multiple weeks. We saw pictures of Jack Flaherty throwing against his mattress in a hotel room to, to stay loose, to stay in shape. That that can't happen for a prolonged period of time. And we've seen injuries up across the board. So there's three aspects to this. It's the overall health of the Cardinals, of the teams whom they play. It's the competitive nature of the sport, and it's the health hazards of just playing in a really unorthodox season when they're not in consistent shape. I don't know, Corey. I, I don't know how it can continue. I I don't know. It's, it's something, this is something that we've never seen before. I just can't see the Cardinals sustaining any competitiveness going forward. Yeah, I, I we're rapidly heading toward the point where, I, again, like I don't know logistically how they would do this, uh, but it does feel like you know, and and I assume they would try everything not to head toward this option, but just like logistically, I mean, realistically, it does feel like you're heading to a point where the only option you're is going have to, to be yeah. yeah, like like just the Cardinals don't participate in this. Um, right. And again, none, none of this discussion is rivalry driven or whatever, right? Like this is just the reality of the situation. I mean, they played five games right now. They played five games. Their upcoming series with the Pirates has already been canceled. And there are reports, as I'm saying this on Sunday at about 530 in Chicago. So, you know, you never know. And it's just reports. But there's you know, national writers suggesting that there may be more positive tests uh, and that they still don't even have this under control. Uh, and, th- and there's a, it's been, you know, there's it's been a whole over timeline. a week too. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a whole timeline with this, but like they had the initial positive cases when they first, you know, suspended their, their play and, and shut things down. And then several days later, they had more. So I, I don't want to I mean, that's a danger of that incubation period, right? Like the yes. incubation period, it's mostly two to five days, but there are some outliers that take longer. I don't want to like, I, I don't know how they're handling this. I don't know what all of the, you know, is involved in all of this, but, but clearly like whatever the Marlins did to get players away from their settle things down and get back on the field, the Cardinals have not been able to do, right? So at some point after that initial group of of positives, you had 
people that were still positive on the planes or in the workouts or whatever, and it only got worse from there. So even if you're trying to get them back soon, like they, they still have to demonstrate the ability to contain this and, and not allow this to happen again. Like we, we don't, I, I, I don't know what happened here, right? Like I, I, I really don't. And given that it's such a serious health issue, I, I don't want to speculate. Um, supposedly, the, the casino story has been debunked by the casino, uh, but you know I, I, I don't know what to make of that. We did see, I mean, there is a photo that's still on the Facebook page of the city of Carlisle, Illinois, of John Gant and Miles Mikolas uh, taking photos with strangers. There's no masks on and stuff like that. So it's all just to say like clearly the cardinals need to get this under control and they definitely do not have it under control as we are talking about this uh so what that means going forward i don't know but even right now you're looking at a ton of double header days and things like that and they're not you know they're not ready to get back on the field tomorrow so these days are just going to keep piling up uh and it's going to be an interesting spot for them. But, uh, you know, you, you already have questions of the legitimacy of, of this whole 60-game season, right? Like, not with a situation like this, I, I don't know how you go forward um, with this I, exactly. I, I really don't, because uh, the idea of them getting to 60 games is just doesn't seem particularly feasible to me. So, um We'll see what they try to decide to do. Uh, obviously, you know, you have the AL Central and the NL Central playing one another. Uh, if you took an entire team out, that, uh, you know, obviously kind of makes the scheduling a little difficult, but could they pull that off? I would think so in some way or another. I don't know. It, it's something we're, we're going to have to monitor. I, I, I don't know uh, what MLB had planned for a situation like this, but we're about to find out because this is not getting better anytime soon. Uh, again, though, the the predominant feeling, like, this is a very serious illness. I, I don't want anybody to be sick. I hope they're able to get this under control. And if this stemmed from, you know, lack of adherence to the protocols or anything like that, they got to tighten it up. And, you know, I, I hope everyone is healthy and that this stops spreading. And I'm glad that the Cubs were not in contact with them and that this was found out beforehand and the Cubs got the F out of there because yeah. uh, that was a, a scary few hours there, the idea that the Cubs might be uh, exposing themselves to this. So not not a good situation. Uh, really and it's scary, is, to, it's, it's, I mean, it's scary to fans, but it's scary to the players too. Like, oh, of it, course, like look at Chris yeah. Bryant, right? Like, and we saw Lorenzo Cain opt out because... When the Cubs were already, John Lester had already expressed concern over going there yeah. before th- this had right. happened. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, SundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts every 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign up on top of their other discount. DealDash.fm backwards slash blue wire that is d-e-a-l-d-a-s-h dot f-m backwards slash blue wire okay so let's check in on what has gone on with the cubs in the meantime they're back at wrigley field scrimmaging on saturday and the first thing that we need to note is that there is a change in the rotation 
So the rotation now starting in Cleveland on Tuesday will go John Lester on Tuesday, Kyle Hendricks on Wednesday, and you Darvish and Tyler Chatwood will follow on Thursday and Friday with Mills going on Saturday. So what has changed here is obviously Alec Mills was skipped. Uh, he pitched on Sunday in a uh, scrimmage at Wrigley Field and just they're, they're, they've decided to push forward with rotation in that way. Uh, it seems fine by me. Uh, they didn't give, you know, any specific reason on that, uh, you know, but I think especially with someone like Mills, doesn't seem all that out of the ordinary to, you know, skip him and, and let those veteran guys get back in there. Uh, and, you know, for a guy that's had the success that Mills has had so far in this early season, uh, you know, not to overextend that and, you know, allow him to keep working on things. And uh, it, it doesn't, nothing really stands out to me about this, I guess is the point. What we saw in this scrimmage uh, was Mills working five innings on Sunday. He allowed three runs. Two of them were earned on six hits with three strikeouts and no walks. He threw 58 pitches in this outing, this all coming from MLB and Cubs.com's Jordan Bastion's write-up on this scrimmage. Uh, so it's, you know, it sounds like Mills is uh, on his path. And, you know, this was obviously to break up now if he he skipped in this next coming turn in the rotation, that would have been a pretty long delay for him. So obviously he's getting in some work there. Craig Kimbrell also got out there on Sunday. He worked an inning. He struck out two, allowed one hit in an 11-pitch effort. Uh, David Ross on Craig Kimbrell said, quote, definitely trending in the right direction. I thought he got some real good swing and misses on fastballs today up in the zone. He looked a little more like the Craig that we've seen flashes of and that he's been most of his career. So I, I suppose let's talk about this, Brendan. There's there's no baseball this weekend to discuss, so this is what we have. Uh, I, I think the the main takeaway here is no matter how much some of us would prefer the the work with Kimbrel be behind the scenes or at least for some just not happening at all uh they're going to push through this they you can tell by the work that he's been getting and how often we keep hearing them talk about this that this is that they're going to try to get this right i i said on the last podcast that we did recapping the Royals series that I believed it was a mistake to let him come in in the ninth in that in that close game uh that he then almost blew once again uh but that if they want to get him work and and have him in there in in games f- fine if they want to do it in the sixth inning or when the Cubs are up or down by 10 runs uh but I I hope that going for, so it's all just to say my that my opinion is fine if they want to work through this and they want to try to salvage this, but we we can't repeat what they did in that Royal series. It was a mistake to do that. And going forward, even if you're getting positive signs like this, you got to find a way to get him this work that is not going to risk losing these games. Because again, even still, they have not lost one of these games that he has pitched in. But all three of them have gotten quite literally as close to a blown save as you could possibly get. So you're just playing with fire here to, to keep doing that. And and it's fine if they want to get him going. David Ross talked uh, on Sunday, I believe, about how you know they wanted to get that changeup involved. We talked about him working on the changeup in summer camp and and you know before this this mm, season got yeah. back going again. Uh, but they they you know they're kind of ditching that saying that you know him trying to do that was kind of messing with his release point and the mechanics blah 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 right yeah 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 so again it's all just to say fine if you want to do this i get it he's got a very good pedigree he's expensive uh and the team would be better for it if he's able to be useful but you can't repeat the mistake that you did in the Royal Series. You 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 this is now three times you've tried to make this work and you've risked pretty clear W's in the process and gotten away with it, but you you can't keep expecting to get away with it. So fine. I'm glad it sounds like it's trending in the right direction, like hooray, but you got to stop doing this in close games. I was, I was thinking like, how would I interpret this last year or two years ago? And we see how other relievers who suddenly, they just, they just lose it. Like their stuff just suddenly goes away. 
for reasons we don't know. Kimbrough, you can actually see why his stuff is not working. And we can use some of the outliers in years past from his data to figure out why he's sucking right now. And so if you look at two things, like the spin rate and you look at his vertical release point, those can be used to more or less like operationalize mechanics or used to like represent mechanics. And when Jed Hoyer and the Cubs staff are saying literally, quote, his mechanics are out of whack, end quote, that to me suggests that's the underlying issue. This is not Kimbrell going on a decline. This is not Kimbrell's stuff just deteriorating because if it were then maybe his mechanics wouldn't be that different. You know what I'm trying to say? Like this is a it seems to be something that can be addressed. Can it be addressed this year in this short amount of time? I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But the first few outings he's had have been like a roller coaster in terms of his actual data. Like in one of his outings in on July 27th, his spin rate was sitting around 2,500 RPMs. The next outing quarry on the 31st, it went down almost 300 RPMs. That is insane. That is a huge outlier. It usually does not deviate between like maybe a few dozen RPMs. And then in his most recent outing against the Royals, the RPMs on his curveball went up to that kind of normal range that we saw at the start of the season, but still not where he was in years past. But the point being is his stuff sucks right now, but his stuff sucks because it seems to be an identifiable mechanical issue. Sorry if you guys could uh, hear me snoring. I fell asleep while Brendan was talking about Craig Kimball's But you see what I'm saying, though. This is not like... This I, is, you and I view this differently. This is a rare point where we just don't see eye to eye on this. I, I totally get where you're coming from. I He just looks awful. I, I just... My interest level... I'm not in, saying he looks good. No, I, I know that. I, I just... I honestly, like, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I could care less what his spin rate is. He looks terrible. Uh, I, I just, I genuinely don't care. I, if he, if they figure this out and he looks great, I, I would be so thrilled. And I will come on here. The first thing I will say after my normal intro is, hey, everybody, my name is Corey Friedman and I was wrong about Craig Kimbrell, but I'm happy to be in the spot I am right now. I, he, he looks terrible. I, I just don't care. Yeah, like that. It is a it is a valid discussion. Like if he were, yeah, sucking, yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, I'm not dismissing it entirely. Yeah, I, it's point. just like I'm. I'm still mad that they used him the other day in Kansas City. Like I that. That's too. really what it or against <laughs> Kansas City. I, I am. I am too. But I guess my my yeah. point being is, I would be on your level probably about Kimbrel if things from a, a mechanical issue. If his data matched years past, because that says he has age-related decline that is not fixable. And if that was the case, I'd be jumping off the bridge with you. But I'm not there yet. But I don't want to see him in the ninth, just like you do. I don't want to see him in high-lever situations until he figures that out. Am I confident he can't figure that out? Honestly, I'm not. I'm with you. I don't think he can figure that out in a short period of time. But I'm not discounting the possibility that he can figure it out. I think I think for me it's more just like I am with you. I understand what you're talking about, and I you know believe there might be something there. I I just don't really want to hear about it. Like go deal with it. You know what I mean? Like behind the <laughs> I scenes. Get it. I get it. Like I just don't like when I'm watching him giving up you know 110 mile an hour rockets every time he's out there. Just like okay, if you guys have the answer for this, you you go figure it out. You know what I mean? Like just leave me alone about it already. I've been dealing with this for like almost a year. I just don't. I don't have the energy for it. I mean, it's it's almost like those Hayward swing comps we wow, were doing. Like, you just dark. reach a point, you know, where like the saturation of it is just like, you know what? I hope this gets better. <laughs> I believe in the the data. Or I can see all of this, right? But like, I just don't want to hear about it anymore. If you're gonna fix it, go do it. Not in front of me, please. I get it. I get uh, so anyway, that's where we are with Kimbrel. Uh, but getting back to the the point that we really brought it up, my snark and sarcasm aside, is they're they're going to keep trying to figure this out. They're going to keep pushing through this and every little positive step is good and they're going to use to justify trying to figure this out further. So this is not something that's going to go away is is basically what I was uh, suggesting. Some other things that happened in this scrimmage on Sunday, just to note, um, Colin Ray 
is is someone who's uh, starting to look pretty interesting, Brendan. I mean, obviously, we still need to see more of him in game action, but uh, again, when we talk about the bullpen, a lot of this is just to find guys who are reliable. We, we, we don't have to look at these guys and say, yes, they're great, they're elite relievers, you know, high leverage, they could pitch in any bullpen. Like, that's not the point when we talk about a lot of these guys. What we're talking about is, can they be a reliable arm that David Ross and Tommy Hadovy can turn to to get outs, to not walk 50 people, to not blow games, to not be uh, a dumpster fire like we were talking about with this bullpen, you know, early. And there's still a lot of problems, but as we kind of try to figure this out, we're going to point out the guys who are potentially more interesting than others. Uh, So with Colin, he threw an inning on Sunday, uh, got three strikeouts on 23 pitches. So that's obviously somewhat noteworthy. It's against the Cubs, so you can kind of, you know, it's a little confusing how to figure out all of that. Um, But just someone to to keep an eye on as we go forward here. He's he's going to see more game action when we when we get going against Cleveland and somebody to keep an eye on even if it's just for one of those spots in the the middle or bottom tier of this bullpen is as someone that they can try and rely on for a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Casey Sadler, one of the guys who I think is in that group, did give up a home run to Nico Horner, uh, but his value more in that he does not walk guys, he throws strikes. Um, and the big thing, and we can transition into this discussion now, is one Ian Happ. Uh, and he was yes. three for three in this scrimmage with two doubles and an RBI. But that is not the lead story, Brendan. What the lead story is, is what David Ross said about this. And if you have listened to this podcast for any number of episodes, years, months, whatever it might be, Shout out to some of y'all that have been listening to us for like four years. That's crazy. Uh, we appreciate that, and I have no idea how you listen to us two lunatics ramble on twice a week, but we appreciate you. Um, if you are one of those people, you will know, and I think you can imagine how Brendan and I reacted when we read oh, yeah. these quotes this morning. It was pure unmitigated joy in my heart, Brendan, and I know it was in yours too. We've already seen this, and we've talked about this trend on this podcast in the past episodes. We've already seen this happening. The writing was on the wall. Ian Happ was getting the majority of the starts, right? I believe he started 11 of the 13 games in center field. Uh, Nico started a game in center field against a left-handed starter. The writing was on the wall for this, but here is what we heard from David Ross today. Uh, The question was actually if we might see more looks on Nico in center. So that's really what the onus of this discussion was. Uh, And Ross said the full-time center field job is Ian Haps right now. Quote, he's the real deal. And clarifying further uh, whether we might see more Nico against lefties, if that might be something they do going forward, Ross said it is Haps' job on both sides of the platoon. So let's go. Two things I want to note. One, it's Ian Hap's job, lefty, righty, Ian Hap is your center fielder for the Chicago Cubs. But what makes me even happier, Brendan, this whole conversation was about Ian Hap and whether Nico Horner might get the starts against lefties. That means that in a conversation about the role of center field for the Chicago Cubs, Albert Almora was not even in the conversation. Brendan, there is joy, such joy in Wrigleyville. We've made it. We finally made it. This podcast is sponsored by Roman Health. Talking about sensitive health issues such as hair loss and ED can be extremely challenging and uncomfortable. Usually, we just ignore the problem or even blame ourselves. We might even ignore it due to stress at work or at home. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for hair loss and ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is very straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. 
Just go to GetRoman.com slash Cubs and complete an online visit. Go to Roman.com slash Cubs today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash Cubs. GetRoman.com slash Cubs. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and the Cubs are finally kicking off their season, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the ads, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ori. See what they had to say and what it will be like playing without fans in a series that they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering expert. Good for Ian Happ, though. All the different adversity he's gone through. He got demoted before last season, basically a few days before opening day, and he comes back and he makes the adjustments that he needs. So many adjustments to the point that he's considered the real deal by new Cubs manager, David Ross. But some of the numbers you see with Happ, you can see why Ross is loving what he's seen. So Happ, Corey, if we look at just 25-year-old outfielders and younger, okay, Happ has the best outside the zone swing rate. This is uh, according to Fangraphs as of Sunday evening. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal, actually, because we've talked about it and we've talked about that leadoff spot potential in the future. Like once Chris Bryant does start hitting well, and if Ian Happ continues to hit well, I am not opposed to putting Ian Happ in the leadoff spot now, today, with this type of approach he's shown, because he's only swinging at like two pitches outside the zone for every 10 that's thrown. That is insane. And the type of power he's showing suggests he's the real deal. He's the all-around, you know, I don't want to say five-tool player because his defense is still a work in progress, even though it's looked so much better lately. He has that potential, and you have to give the guy credit because all the stuff he went through last year, all the adjustments, all of the speculation that he did not have it, he's coming back and he's putting up numbers that in his age bracket for outfielders, no one's doing right now. And I think we all forget too, he's only 25. Like, I mean, I, I get that's for like, you know, older for prospects, but that's still young. And he's gone through multiple phases of having to adjust and he's finally doing it. And he's making league average contact against pitches inside the strike zone. That's that selective, aggressive plate approach that Theo's talked about for years now, for a decade with this team. And that's the approach that plays well in the leadoff spot. That's what made Dexter Fowler so good. And they have a similar skill set if Hap continues to do this. Both Hap and Fowler have similar plate discipline metrics. I'm pumped, dude. And I feel like for anyone too, like you want to see Ian Hap succeed just from like a personality standpoint. I mean, he's he's fun to watch. He's fun to listen to with his podcast. It couldn't happen to a better guy, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, again, like I also use the phrase, like I don't have any particular dogs in this fight. Uh, I, I don't come into any of this with preferring somebody get the playing time just because I like them better as like a person or an off the field guy like I want the Cubs to win games and the reason that we've been on this particular topic for quite some time is because we want the Cubs to play their best players and and win games and I don't believe that that's what they were doing when Almora was leading off and playing center field in so many games or when Descalso was leading off. And as we've d- talked about with David Ross so far in his tenure as the manager, one of the things that he has done is play the best players. It, it feels like a crazy concept, I know. Uh, but it's it's just very refreshing that instead of playing guys who have really bad numbers for long stretches of time in the leadoff spot, right, under the guise of getting them going or, you know, getting them hot against a certain hand of pitcher, stuff like that, how about we just play the better players? Isn't that the right idea? And that, and that's what David Ross has done, and that's what he's doing here. Uh, this one, this, this tweet is from August 7th. Obviously, the Cubs haven't played anymore, so it's still the same from friend of the 
podcast, uh, Bleacher Nation's Michael Cerami, and he just points out that Hap has a 183 WRC+, a 15.9% walk rate, 22.7% strikeout rate, and a 3-3-3 BABIP, which is right in line with his career BABIP. So it's not as though some of these numbers are driven by some insane, you know, batted ball luck or balls falling in or anything like that. He's hitting the ball really hard. His like you said, Brendan, his contact rate in the zone is up. His chase rate outside of the zone is down. His hard hit rate is 44.4%. He's a fast runner. He's versatile. He can switch hit. He's got power. This is the right move. This He's is the right taste move. taste in coffee. And He's got it. It's, it's, we talked about this too in the last episode, I think. We talked about how we wanted it to see it go this way going forward because Ian Happ has such a high ceiling. Even if him and Almora were both playing at what you believed their peak would be or their ceiling would be, Happ's is way higher because he's got power, because he's a faster runner and he's got power and he can use the entire field. Almora at his best is a high average contact hitter, right? Which he's not doing he's right not now. He's not even a contact guy. Yeah. <laughs> but, right, he's not that guy. I'm saying if they were, Hap is still the better player. And so oh, when no Hap right. is playing like this, what you want your manager to do is get out of the way and not get into the platoon splits and trying to get one guy going in a certain scenario or the other. You have one guy going in every scenario. So just let him flourish. Let him develop. Like you said, he's only 25 years old. It's a first-round pick. Let him go. Let him be the player that you drafted. Let him turn into the star that you drafted him to be and that he has the potential to be. And, and that's what we're seeing. And that is a difference between him and Joe Madden, like Ross and Joe Madden. And to, you know, to, to our fault, too, we we did appreciate what Madden was doing at times when he played the matchups, like when he protected some of his guys who were going through adjustments. And we did talk about when Madden was ultimately not re-upped, was that the right decision? Was it the right decision to not let, like, for example, what we're seeing with Ian Happ now, just continue to play even against lefties? Like, we're going to see that with Happ and David Ross. That's the difference between Ross and Madden is Ross is going to let the guys go. Once they take uh, hold of that role, that's it. It's theirs. And it happened pretty fast. And we never saw that with Madden. And we thought that was good for that particular player's development. It didn't work, though. It didn't work for Hap. Did not work for Elmora. Didn't work for Schwarber for a while, too, if you remember. I mean, Schwarber, remember, like a couple years ago, he would have a few good weeks, and then he just wouldn't play. There was one instance where I think he had two home runs in one series, and he sat three straight games when Madden was the manager. And this is not to like bag on Madden because I understand the logic. And at times it worked. It worked in 2015 and worked in 2016. But there came a point where the adjustments, the only way to make those were if you were on the field facing consistent big league pitching. And I think that's what happened with Hap towards the end of last year and what's happening now with Hap in the first few weeks of the season. There, There is a real value in being selective with some of the matchups, especially early in guys' career. And we've talked about that a lot, you know, in, in trying to help them not get overwhelmed and trying to only put them in matchups where they might succeed. And then you kind of develop from there. I think yeah. the the problem that, that Joe got into in the last couple of years of his time here is just waiting too long on some of those things. And Theo Epstein has talked about that, that they they kind of uh, bet on some of these guys a little yeah, longer than they should have. it was an organizational philosophy that yeah. started with Theo and it went down to Joe on the field. Right. And and so it's 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 just another one of those examples where you, you know you have to be able to change the way you go about things and change your philosophies. Like this is just an example where of course you could be putting any number of guys in in different matchups and and trying to get as many players going and in successful spots as possible, but ultimately what's better for the team right now is to let one guy flourish and and not change what he's doing for the sake of other people, because that's ultimately what's best for the team right now. And some of these other guys are just too far along uh, to, you know, really rely on that notion of, you know, trying to get it going or, or anything like that. So I, I'm really pumped about this. Again, the reason that I'm pumped about this is because I believe this is the best thing long term, short term and long term for the Chicago Cubs. This the, I, I've said a million times, I think Almora is a wonderful human being. Uh, he's been a part of big moments for, for this team. And 
that's fine, but ultimately what's better for this baseball team is for Ian Happ to be this player. And this is also one of those things that is somewhat of a paradigm franchise altering idea as you go forward here, right? Like we've all we all know the concern of some of the top tier players on this team heading towards their contract years. How are they going to pay for this? Are they going to extend this guy, that guy? Are they going to extend anyone, right? What makes a lot of those discussions easier is when other players like Ian Happ start to develop into guys that you envision, hey, this guy could be our center fielder for a long time and he can be putting up big time numbers. Does he have to put up, he's not going to put up... Yeah. yeah, he's not going to put up a 183 WRC plus for the rest of his career, right? I'm I'm f- acutely aware of that. But if he can be your everyday center fielder, demonstrating that power, using the whole field, getting on base, using his speed, that's a, a big thing for, for this franchise, right? Like it, it, it changes how you might perceive things and, and their depth of talent and what you need to do going forward and, and things like that. So this is, a, this is a big deal. It's a weird season. We've only played uh, 13 games so far. So, you know, this isn't to make like sweeping conclusions about everything, uh, but this is a really, really good development, both for Ian Happ as a player and for David Ross as a manager. They they are playing the best players. They are making the right decisions on almost all of these fronts, really except for just trying to (laughs) shoehorn Kimbrell into (laughs) close games. When when KB was announced as a leadoff hitter, Mm -hmm. it did make sense and I still buy it, but it's not my preference. And I think for maybe maybe I'm not going to speak for you, but I think you were a little bit different. And it's not my preference because I want KB's bat. It's very simple. In the middle of the order with men on base. That's that's what I want. He's a power hitter, 30, 40 homer potential guy with incredible contact and play discipline. That is your third or fourth hitter in my opinion. So with Ian Happ's emergence, and let's assume this continues for two more weeks and we get into September and they're still playing well offensively. Are you okay with Happ as your main leadoff guy going forward? given he continues to perform like this for two more weeks. Yeah, so, I mean, I think this is one of those things where you have to weigh the balance of how Hap has looked, the changes that he's made, and the success that he's had with then putting the pressure of of being in the leadoff spot. Um, It's just something that we have seen not go well for different guys when we've used similar trains of logic. And Hap is a different player than Schwarber. Like he's a different player than KB, et cetera. He's a different player than Hayward, right? The the guys that we've seen try this. But it it that that's the question you have to answer. I don't in, in concept, I love it. He's got speed, he's you know versatile, he can switch hit. You know, we we've been on the pro Ian Happ bandwagon since he was in camp before his MLB debut, right? I mean, like, so th- this isn't uh, we have the receipts. Th- yeah, that we this has always been the Cubs related podcast has always been pro Ian Happ, uh, but I I don't know how to answer that is is really the thing. Um, you know, like I'll I said, it's, for it's, you. I, I think it makes sense, and I, I think it makes sense. Because, I, I do think it makes sense. I just yeah. want to be careful that you know you allow him to keep flourishing and keep succeeding with the adjustments that he made when he was sent down last year and and you know obviously that was a struggle for him and he came back and has really performed well since then and really through his whole career right he's been a a productive player but it just all seems to be coming together right now and in such a good way I'm not saying that it would mess him up to go to the leadoff spot I just think that's the question you have to answer is do you feel comfortable with that? I mean, yeah, I like in concept, I feel much better with this lineup if you put KB back at two and Rizzo at three and Javi at four, and you know, then you have that top six starting back. with yeah. Hap. Right. That's just my question. I, I just don't want Hap to get into a scenario where he's overthinking things or anything like that. And that's not to say that he would, uh, but that's, I think, the, the, the main concern. It, conceptually, given his profile as a player and everything like that, I'm all for it, right? I, I'm definitely not like dead set on Chris Bryant beating the leadoff hitter. Um, just don't want this to, don't want to do it too quickly as Hack is putting up these it. big numbers. That, that's basically my concern. It is yeah. good, though, that he's doing this in the ninth spot. It's, it's kind of like that leadoff role by proxy in that you don't bat with men on base that often. So I guess from an actual like 
pitching approach perspective, it wouldn't be that much different. The The difference is going to be psychologically. And can he handle that? I think he can. You think he can too. But that's ultimately something that David Ross and his staff will have to weigh as a con in promoting his development while keeping the team competitive. That being said, I want to see it. I wanted to see it for most of his career because I thought he could do this. And now he's putting it together. And I think this is a prototypical leadoff hitter, your modern well, day leadoff hitter. So now let me hitter. ask you a question. Yeah. I want your sure. thoughts on something. Okay. Uh, the way that they have used Almora and and hearing the quotes from David Ross on Sunday uh, where he was not even mentioned as part of the center field platoon, all, all of a sudden that's a discussion of Nico in, in center field against lefties. Does it make more sense to have someone like Ian Miller on it the does. roster as it opposed does. to Almora? All the Ians. No, I, I think it does. And this is All not... The Ians. We, we, <laughs> we, we need a lineup of only Ians and only, only Ians. Jasons. Yes, that's it. But yeah. I, I really think it does make more sense to bring up Ian Miller and have Almora go down to South Bend. And we we, we got to put on the personality in the, in the actual player value on the field aside because Almora is an exceptional teammate he's instinctively a sound baseball player we've seen it in the playoffs we've seen it several times Mm -hmm. that being said in his role which will be part-time given what we saw with David Ross Ian Miller has more to value in those short spurts he's one of the fastest guys on this roster so one, you want to keep uh, Almora continuing to adjust. He's going through things. We know it. He's talked about it. He's changed his batting stance. He needs to keep playing. So in my mind, what makes the most sense? Let him keep playing in South Bend. Bring up Ian Miller, who deserves a shot, by the way. He's worked incredibly hard. He's interviewed with like, you know, Evan Altman on Cubs Insider. He's talked about all the things he's changed. And he has value... In that 10th inning example, where you start someone on second base or you pinch run for someone late in the game, he has the value just from his legs. That's it. And then he's a quality defensive center fielder. And offensively, yeah, we'll have to see what he looks like. But in a part-time role, you want someone with a projectable skill. And what more is projectable than speed? That's never going to go away. You know, if he's on base, he has this particular chance of stealing a base or this particular chance of getting a home on a ball in the gap. And I think right now, this team needs that possibility. They need that additional speed on this roster. So that that's what I have to say. I have to say, you have to put Amora in South Bend and capitalize on these uh, trying to win all the games at first to maybe then bring Almora back up later in the year, and he can he can face major league pitching in a less uh, consequential environment if the Cubs have banked all these wins. Yeah, I, I think that it, it really comes down to Miller just brings a dynamic that this team doesn't does. have. It's those the, Millers. The team does too. not yeah. have speed like that, and especially, you know, you've got these extra innings rules, uh, you, you've got situations where you might want to pinch runner, things like that. It, it's just not really a skill that they have, and if Almora is only a defensive replacement, is that value more than what Miller brings in terms of his speed, I would say no. Uh, and I would also say, you know, look, like it's it's going to be easier. It's not major league competition necessarily, and it's it's not always in-game scenarios because they're just scrimmaging and doing sim games and things like that at South Bend. But if you want Elmora to progress as a hitter, he can go there and get at bats every day and face different hands at pitching and then face the prospects that the Cubs have. Um, you know, if he wants to get going against left-handed pitching, let him take some live at bats against Braylon Marquez and, and Burrow Carraway and, and see what happens there, right? Um, but Miller just brings a dynamic that the, the team doesn't have. And, you know, I think from a de- defensive perspective, you could still use him as a defensive replacement as well, if if that's still your concern. Uh, the, the other element that I think is in play on that is perhaps you'd approach this differently if you didn't need to try as many pitchers as you possibly could, right? But with the way the bullpen is and some of these guys, you know, still not being secure in their roles and still not knowing what's going to happen there— if you're going to make changes to the roster, it you're only changing 
bullpen arms for other bullpen arms at this point. And if you're going to make changes elsewhere to bring a dynamic like Miller's speed, it's got to be an offensive player. You just don't have the uh, runway as far as pitcher you know, bodies are concerned to take a pitcher away and and not give someone else the chance to kind of earn that spot in the bullpen. So that's kind of where we are. Uh, But that's pretty much the discussion. That's pretty much all that went on. Uh, Again, supposedly something fun is supposed to happen on Monday. I don't specifically know what that means. Um, Hopefully it is fun. I mean, I hope the guys are having fun. And, um, you know, again, uh, before I throw it to you, Brendan, to preview this, uh, these games with Cleveland. Again, just want to reiterate that, uh, you know, especially after a situation like what we saw with St. Louis, the, the most important thing here is that the Cubs are healthy and that they are, you know, being able to stay out there, uh, without risking their health. So, uh, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, they, they seem to have avoided that in St. Louis and, you know, obviously they'll keep monitoring that going forward to make sure of that, but, um, glad that they were not, uh, I, I'm mad that they were so close to a situation like that when they've, you know, been on top of everything uh, as an organization and, and doing their due diligence to stay safe and as careful as they possibly can. Uh, but glad at the same time that it, it, you know, it seems that they were able to head back to Chicago and, and keep themselves away from that situation. Um, but yeah, everybody, I mean, really everybody involved in this MLB season, the players, staff, extended staff, things like that, you know, at the hotels and stuff like just hope, I mean, this is a serious thing. Like I hope everybody is healthy and safe. Okay, let's preview the upcoming two-game set against the Cleveland Indians. Corey, they will be playing in Cleveland a night game on a Tuesday. And on a Wednesday, too, if you want to throw it all together with that Game 7 World Series win. So we have John Lester on the mound for the Cubs in that first game of the two-game set. It starts at 6.10 p.m. Central Time. He will be facing uh, Mike Clevenger for the Indians. Clevenger this year is 1-1 with a 3.24 ERA. Lester 1-0 with a 0.82 ERA. Then they finish up this quick two-game set on Wednesday. A little bit earlier start time at 5.10 p.m. Kyle Hendricks on the mound. His fourth start of the year, he's 2-1 with a 3.54 ERA. Carlos Carrasco coming back from multiple injuries, coming back from cancer admirably. He's 2-1 on the year with a 2.5 ERA. Cleveland is 9-7 on the year. The Cubs remain 10-3. They are still four games up on the division as of Sunday evening. We have Milwaukee, who is 6-7. We have the Reds, who are 7-9. And And then we have the Pirates, who are 3-13. So the Cubs are up four games on Milwaukee, four and a half games up on the Reds. And I guess if you want to put it in there, they are four games up on the Cardinals, even though they've only played five games and they are 2-3. So all in all, I mean, what you're looking for this series is maybe Kimbrell's role, will David Ross use him in a high leverage situation, or will he continue to go with Colin Ray, or continue to go in the ninth and eighth with Jeffress and Wick? And other than that, the positional lineup is pretty much status quo at this point. You're going to keep seeing Ian Happ in there, which is great. Chris Bryant, maybe the extended time off will get him going with some of his uh, nagging injuries like the elbow injury and even uh, Rizzo with his back earlier on maybe this time off ironically could be good for them so that's what we got keep banking these wins keep getting out in front and keep creating scenarios where you can start testing some new guys because you're up maybe seven or so games yeah I think uh pretty pretty simple you know Cleveland's an, an interesting team they've had some some strong pitching performances uh so far I think the Cubs fortunate not to be facing Bieber here that's uh something that, that I don't think yeah. <laughs> with with the way he's been racking up strikeouts I'm fine to like uh, not Corey see Cooper what that matchup would look there. like yeah but uh you know the the thing to keep in mind you know, this is a two-game set in Cleveland uh then coming back for four against Milwaukee at Wrigley Field yeah, and then supposed to play three uh with St. Louis after that so you know uh all these games matter and stuff like that but you know uh you got two in Cleveland and then you you have some of those really hyper focused division games so um the the Cubs have built themselves a nice little lead uh but you know gotta just keep taking care of business here I mean I think it's it's really simple um you know the the Cubs have been fortunate that the issues that they have had 
have not really cost them any games. We've made so much about the bullpen um, in terms of how bad it's been in in a lot of respects. We we pointed out the guys that have been good, uh, but it, it's been quite bad for for you know the, the this entire season, and it hasn't cost them. The the three games that they have lost have not been because the bullpen blew a lead that they had previously held. Um, so it, it's allowed them, and we we talked about this. It's allowed them to try to work through these things without it really affecting the season, and they're, and they're very fortunate for that. So um, you hope that those issues settle down a little bit as some of these guys have kind of started to carve out more trustworthy roles for themselves. Um, but it is something that you're able to look at kind of in early hindsight and, and just as they didn't play this weekend and say, you know, this is pretty fortunate. Like you've had some issues, you've had some things that you've needed to kind of test and work out and things like that. And it has not been a detriment to the overall record of the team. So uh, even though they didn't play, yeah, I mean, they're they're in a good spot, Brendan. I mean, still a four-game lead um, on the Brewers. Uh, the Cincinnati bullpen is even worse than the Cubs. Uh, somehow that, that, that's possible. You know, the, the, the Reds have struggled out of the gate here. And so you just keep kind of pressing forward, trying to win games. Um, you know, we're almost at what the quarter mark of the season after this Cleveland series, it'll be 15 games. So, you know, we'll be at exactly the quarter mark of this season. And, uh, I know that's crazy because it feels like we just started this, but you know, kind of the the way this is all going to play out, you know, sort of starts to take a little more shape as you uh, come hurtling into the the end or, you know, the halfway point, et cetera, of a 60-game season. So just keep banking those wins, keep playing well, and uh, keep trying to carve out those bullpen rolls until we have a clearer idea of what that will look like. But I think that's all we have for you. We did manage to find something to talk about in a weekend where the Cubs did not play any games. It was a, a brief reminder of how difficult those those podcasts were where they weren't playing any games and, and stuff like that. Uh, but hopefully we don't have to do that again. And hopefully, you know, everybody is able to get their protocols and, and testing and everything under control. And um, we can push forward without, you know, being uh, really frightened for everybody's health and safety kind of in that immediate respect. But we will talk to you after the Cubs and Indians finish up their series on Wednesday evening. Uh, we'll come to you late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, and we will talk about those two games and we will get you set for the four games with the Milwaukee Brewers. As always, we thank you guys for listening to the Cubs related podcast. We appreciate your participation on all forms of social media, and we very much appreciate your five-star reviews and comments on the Apple Podcast Store or Spotify, wherever you can leave a comment or uh, feedback. If it's good, we'd like it. if it's not good, like let us know directly. Leaving it as a review doesn't really help us. Um, just tweet at us. I'm at CF Cubs Related. Brendan's at Cubs Related. Um, and yeah, just want to say like sometimes we do read those reviews and some of you who have written long reviews about why you enjoy listening to us, why you enjoy us better than other podcasts and um, you know how we've made your commute more interesting or anything like that. We sincerely appreciate it. I mean, some of the some of the reviews are quite uh, moving, seriously. Like, we're just two idiots sitting here talking about the Cubs, and uh, the nice things that you guys have to say about us is really awesome, and we appreciate that. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for your participation. We will talk to you again soon, and as always, go Cubs. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.